everybody. Welcome to What Are We Building? I'm your host, Andy Shaner. Thank you for tuning in here on a rainy kind of evening over here in the Sun Prairie Media Center studios, underwritten by the Branca Sun Prairie. Nice and dry in here. Uh, but that's all right. We need the rain. My grass was getting a little brown. Uh, crops need the rain, and uh, it was getting a little too hot there for a while in June. But I took a, took a couple weeks off, a little bit of summer hiatus, and uh, there's actually plenty to talk about coming back. We've had a lot of news in terms of, of what are we building. I, I started the show back before the pandemic, and then we kind of had a lull. Uh, and in fact, one of the, the first projects I talked about was Bird and Main Street back a year ago, uh, the old McGovern site, and that, that uh, had been approved for a new uh, building, but uh, nothing had gone on there. And it sounds like finally, uh, the, the property was closed upon. A company called Cohen Esri out of Kansas is uh, finally going to move forward. It sounds like it, just in the next couple of weeks, demolition will begin on the old McGovern site. And you know, I, I had a lot of great fish fries at McGovern's, but uh, that building is is old and run down and nobody's doing anything with it and it needs to go. Uh, and, and I hope we have, you know, pictures and memories of it, but uh, I don't I don't know that it was a long term, you know, it wasn't going to be there long term. And so the plan is a, a new uh, apartment building, apartment complex, maybe some offices or retail on the bottom, kind of the main ground floor and uh, and, and some apartments above. Those apartments will be, uh, you know, affordable housing, but specifically targeted at 55 and up seniors. And there were some tax credits they got as a part of that. But then uh, also, I think they said 20 units will be dedicated specifically for veterans. And there are a, a veteran nonprofit group that, that works on housing. And these are the kind of things that, look, when people complain off the cuff about there's too many apartments or affordable housing is bad for a neighborhood or bad for a community, it's like, look into this a little further. And who is living in those apartments? It's seniors. Seniors need a nice place to live and veterans deserve a nice place to live. And, and so when you think about, you know, who's actually living in these units, um, I, you know, it's, it's folks that, you know, maybe are not the most vulnerable, but there are the people in our community that we owe a debt to. And, uh, and, and so we should maybe temper our, our criticism a little bit when we kind of just fly off the handle and say that, why do we need more apartments? So, um, you know, that I, I was a little bit concerned whether seniors would be the most exciting types of residents to have in that area. But look, it's the, the plans are for a gorgeous new building. I think it's an improvement over what's there. And hopefully across the street, you know, it might may stimulate some additional development as well. And, uh, and that intersection is exciting. What's even more exciting is uh, at Maine and Bristol, the site of the explosion. Uh, I think over three years ago now that that plot of land has sat vacant and Adam Bougie who owns Glass Nickel Pizza had him on the show a couple weeks ago Adam was able to close on his old land there and he is now broken ground on a new building on Main and Vine so up just north of, of City Hall and uh, was able to close uh, with a company called Lockery they're out of Plover Wisconsin just south of Stevens Point and uh, they actually did some work in my hometown of Wausau and had some you know have worked to redevelop that downtown and old historic downtowns and redevelopment is a little bit what they kind of specialize in. And there was a plan put together for uh, by the city. They worked with the, a group to put a plan together with retail shopping and, and housing, apartments, um, maybe a boutique hotel. But look, these plans are exactly what they sound like. They're plans. And it's ultimately kind of up to the developer to build whatever they want to build within reason and within city approval. And so, you know, phase one would be right at that main and Bristol 
intersection right kitty corner from the Flavors Wine Bar and then the the Sun Prairie Utilities Building, they will eventually move to a new facility and get and that would kind of be phase two, uh, eventually linking up with the uh, Ashley Field. The school board actually just voted to buy up another property uh, right in that corridor and link up Ashley Field with downtown and that whole intersection and just extremely exciting what's coming to downtown and the whole downtown area. And and I'm always excited about development anywhere that happens. But I think when you talk about the Main Street corridor or downtown, particularly, you know, really tugs at your heartstrings if you remember what happened in the wake of that explosion. Um, but these older parts of the city that we all kind of share and know and love and want to see uh, thriving and successful, um, that that's what gets me particularly excited. And so uh, very cool to see. One bit of concern I do have is I reached out to both these companies, Cohen Esri and Lockery, over the past week after we got the news. Neither of them have shown any interest in uh, engaging with with me or my show particularly now um you know i i'm not a huge radio star or anything and that's not that important but sometimes these companies tend to kind of give a lot of lip service at these city council meetings when they need to get things approved and then don't really engage with the community and so we're going to find out do they really want to be part of the community in these very important intersections and areas or are they just looking for a purely financial transaction and looking to collect rent and, and make money out of this deal so I, I would hope to be able to talk to these folks not to grill them and put them on a, you know on the hot seat as to what they're going to do but just to open with open arms to say you know be part of the community uh you know here you have a platform to try to talk about what your plans are and what your hopes are for you know being part of some prairie so uh, we'll see how that plays out in the meantime we We'll talk to uh, another important partner and neighbor in the city of Sun Prairie, Habitat for Humanity. Steve Hanrahan is my guest today. He is the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Habitat for Humanity, Dane County. He's a Sun Prairie resident, and uh, I, I, they've got a lot going on at the, at the town hall up on the northeast side of town. Uh, they've done some work in Vandenberg Heights and uh, are a big part of the affordable housing uh, need that there is here in Sun Prairie, and I'm looking forward to speaking with him. So you will hear that in just a second. I will be right back after a short break. Thank you for listening to What Are We Building on 103.5 FM, The Sun. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. You are listening to 103.5 FM, The Sun, Sun Prairie's community radio station, serving Sun Prairie and the surrounding area at 103.5 FM or online at www.sunprairiemediacenter.com or on the app available from the Google Play or Apple App Store. So a lot of times I'll try to just give updates, things that are going on around town. There's a ton going on. It's summertime in Wisconsin in Sun Prairie, and I can't mention it all, but one thing I do want to specifically mention, I am on the Sun Prairie Historical Museum Board, and as part of that, we are also responsible for the water tower, the old historic water tower built in 1899 right near downtown, and that is in need. It has not been restored or updated since, I believe, 1999, and its centennial anniversary. And it's in need of funding, in need of restoration and upkeep. And so you will hear more in the coming weeks and months about the restoration fund for that water tower. But in particular, there's an event coming up on July 31st, and it's a scavenger hunt kind of race slash hunt 
but activity that uh, th there will be a fee to join, um, but then all of the money will go towards that restoration fund, and then there will be cash prizes and, and a really kind of exciting, unique event that uh, Jennifer Harper and uh, the, the Sun Prairie Parks and Rec Department will be will have going on. If you haven't heard, Sun Prairie has been officially renamed to Fun Prairie for the month of July, and so this is sort of the big capstone event for, for Fun Prairie July uh, is the scavenger race. And so keep an eye out for that. Check that out because very important sort of symbol this water tower and we want to make sure that that stays isn't become a hazard or become a problem and so we're going to work to to raise funds to to restore that but there are a lot of different things going on and it's, it's hard to keep up um, but uh, get online get on facebook get on the city's website and uh, see all the different stuff going on we can hopefully get together as a community again and, and sort of share all these things together so very exciting i will be right back with steve hanrahan he is the coo chief operating officer of habitat for humanity he is my guest today, and we will talk to him right after the break. So I'm here with Steve Hammerhan of Habitat for Humanity, Chief Operating Officer. How how long have you been with, with Habitat? Um, I've been with Habitat for uh, six and a half years. All right. Started out uh, as the director of the restores, of oh, which sure. I knew nothing about until I joined Habitat. And then about uh, four years ago, three years ago in September, I was uh, promoted to the chief operating officer. Changed my responsibilities a lot. I still have the restore, re restore is reporting to me, but I also now have the whole construction department, family services, and yeah, and, you know, infrastructure and IT and HR and all that good stuff. Yeah, so. that's a lot to lot to keep straight. Yeah. And you're you live in Sun Prairie. I do. And yes. how long have you been lived in? In town? Well, that's an easy question to answer because my wife and I just celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. Moved here the day after we got married. Oh so, my gosh! Wow. So See, we've been here a long time. Long time, Russ. You know, it was good to have. Obviously, some prairie has this connection now with your projects and stuff that oh, are going yeah. on. But it must be kind of near and dear to your heart to see what Habitat is doing in the city that you've spent so many years in. Oh yeah. I mean, what you probably don't know is I coached the. Sunbury High School hockey team for 27 years. Oh so no, I didn't know. That. I have a lot of, I have a lot of interest in, in the community and the people and the kids and right, and absolutely. All of that. So yeah, I take um, great pleasure in our developments out here. We just finished one in uh, Vandenberg Heights, closed it out last. I guess it was a week ago. Put 12 homes in there, if I remember right, mm -hmm. uh, over a number of years. We don't just build 12 at once, but right. took a few years. We did some work on the east side, south of uh, Highway 19, uh, Twin Oaks, uh, many years ago. Um, so we've been in Sun Prairie for quite some time. Sure. But nothing like the Town Hall Crossing development that we're opening up right now. Right, right. And I, 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 that's kind of the main reason I wanted to, mm -hmm. to talk to you guys. But, I, you know, I had – you talk about kind of these emotional connections. My first house that I ever bought, you know, was a, was a half-duplex in Vandenberg Heights because it's all I could afford – um, and you know, and you get to kind of know people in that neighborhood sure. and it's a different, that's a different neighborhood than the one I live in now, but it, it's, I still remember that. And, and then we actually sold that and that half duplex moved to Texas. And <laughs> I, I spent, you know, some time working for Habitat for Humanity oh, really? in a Texas summer. I was up on wow. a roof. You know, uh, pounding nails in and putting up trusses and things. Well, thank you. That's and great. Uh, so that was my experience with Habitat. My wife's company actually did some stuff. But that that will you will learn some things by oh, yeah. by being out in the middle of a 
of July in, in Texas working on a house. I so. spent a summer in Texas, so I know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It can be warm. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I boy, I kind of want to ask you about the hockey team now, but I'm um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, and, and you, were were you, what was your background there? Were you teaching and an educator? Or uh, what? I grew up in Minnesota, played high school hockey. Yeah. Played some semi-pro on the West Coast. All right. Back in the day when they actually had that and came back here to uh, return to school after my stint in the Air Force and hmm. got involved in coaching. I've always wanted to give back, and so I was fortunate enough to get involved with you know some some good youth hockey people and some folks out here asked me to come out and at the time uh, Mike Dibble was the high school coach and I grew up with him in Minneapolis oh wow uh, we didn't go to the same high school but we played against each other for 10 years right so I knew him uh, I wanted to be associated more with a program that I could provide you know some balance and try to develop kids and systems and what he had in mind so it was really a lot of fun getting out here i think i did that for another three or four maybe five years and then got the high school job yeah super and the the and then what so what was the sort of transition to get you involved with with habitat oh well i it, it was never a full-time job obviously i was not a teacher so i was yeah. involved in some small tech companies some consulting hmm. in the uh, video conferencing arena back when it used to cost a lot of money to do a zoom call which you can do yeah. almost free today <laughs> um I worked for a company out of Schaumburg, uh, started startup for another video conferencing firm, and and then uh, after that, I was actually hired to run the youth hockey group in the uh, the ice arena as part of it for a number of years. Okay. And then I was recruited to get to Habitat. And so. that's kind of how you got on the operations side of things yeah. and sort of managing facilities exactly. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, the re, there's a restore I know over kind of on off Cottage Grove mm-hmm. Road, Monona. Yep, it's on Monona Drive. Area that's the only one in town. In... No, we have another one on Odana out on the west side. Okay, those are the two. We're Habitat for Humanity of Dane County, right? So we can only operate within Dane County. Okay, there's other restores. There's one in Baraboo as an example, uh, and then as you go towards Milwaukee, there's a number of them. Waukesha, Milwaukee has three stores. Um, Fox Cities, there's 28 restores in in Wisconsin right okay. now, and about and, 900 in the country. And for so. people who don't know, and I, I'm trying to remember if I've actually actually physically mm-hmm. been in one. I'm familiar with it, but but where does the where does the product come from, or what you're what you're going in to buy at the restore? The majority of the product that that we uh, sell is actually resold. It's donated goods from our very generous donors. Yeah, uh, furniture, appliances. Um, they started out as a kind of a, a building materials um, opportunity ah, for okay. people to come in. But and we still sell doors, windows, those kinds of things, but they're primarily used. Mm-hmm. And people come in and they measure it. I mean, you got to measure everything 10 times in our store. Yeah. Uh, we do have some product that we purchase, as an example, by uh, uh, paint. It's recycled paint. Okay. And we sell that. And so we need to have some brushes and stuff that you can't count on having, it's, yeah. which is... It's kind of a dichotomy because the beauty of the restore is you can come in every day because there's going to be something different there. Sure. And then we go out and supply ourselves with products so we have the same thing there every day. So it's right. kind of weird. Right, But right. It is a, it's necessary and been very successful. We've uh, grown immensely in the last um, five, six years. And uh, the whole intent is to bring dollars into the program so that we can build more homes. Yep. It's not a different mission. It's not... 
um, a, a sub business. It's owned yeah, entirely. Yeah, profit center, by, or it's still yeah, it's a cash. It's a fundraiser. It's a cash generator. Is right. what it is for us. Right. Yeah. right. And I, there, look, there are a lot of different charities, and there. I don't know what people know about Habitat for Humanity or Jimmy Carter. I think everybody knows, but you know, my involvement when I was in, in Texas, mm-hmm. um, and I remember even thinking when we moved back here, hoping to get involved potentially. Um, and that's something else I want to talk to you about is how people can get involved. But when you see, so if people don't know, you work on these homes for, I mean, I don't know how long a project would normally take. Well, I have, I'll months. be brutally honest. We are not the quickest builders right. in the world. <laughs> and there's a reason for that because yeah. we use the community to help us right. build. And so you uh, need to provide that opportunity for the community to come out and help. And that just, it delays things. So it takes us about eight months. Like anybody that them. works in a volunteer kind of operation, right. you kind of get what you pay for right. sometimes. Well, but but yeah. the contractor, so so you said eight months mm-hmm. is kind of from start to finish. But when you, when you, and I'll come back to kind of the building process because I have some experience with that. But what happens is everyone that kind of has worked on that home then gets invited. I think it still works this way. Still gets invited to see the sort of dedication ceremony mm-hmm. for the family that's going to live in there. Yes. And there is, it is emotional. And when you think about your home and the emotions that you have, whether you live in an apartment building or your neighborhood, mm-hmm. the, the home, uh, uh, you know, outside of it, all those sort of feelings and emotions and the roots that when you see someone starting out, you know, taking their first steps, it's a, it's a really special sort of experience. And, uh, and, you know, something that I would encourage people to get involved with what I was going to say about the volunteer workforce mm-hmm. is you have supervisors, obviously, or people yeah. that are very experienced contractors. But what I liked is how focused it was on education, mm-hmm. that the, the reason you're there is to learn something about home building, home improvement. And for anybody, a young person that maybe is starting out with a home, um, I, it's a wonderful way to learn just basic, get your confidence up about how to do just basic projects around your house. And I wondered if you could just talk about the educational aspect for, for the volunteers. Sure. Specifically what they get out of it. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on what phase we're in, of course, in the building process. But that's why we like to build, you know, three to five at a time in one area. Because uh-huh. we can have one supervisor running, you know, four or five different houses. And you can be in a different phase in each house. And so you might have a variety of different opportunities for people to participate in. Yeah. Um, so we have to plan out a week we uh you know one of the most difficult things we have is trying to de- determine who's going to be on site when you know we have a lot of sponsors that you know as you mentioned with early on with uh, your wife's company uh, had a chance to build in texas well that's, that's what's done here as well mm-hmm. companies will give back to the community and there'll be a habitat build day right and they'll come out but we also have a a very dedicated group of volunteers that we call our regulars yeah and these guys come out um every tuesday as an example uh, or every wednesday week in and week out and so you know you have one day of the week where you're going to have an experienced crew that comes out yeah and then of course you know there's a lot of uh a lot of building companies in madison they mm-hmm. come out and those guys are are great. They're probably more skilled than some of the people that we have. <laughs> right. If so you, you got an electrician this, or yeah. a carpenter or somebody that wants to give Mark some <laughs> exactly. time. So we have a, a real, uh, you know, a wide range of experience and, and skill. But from the educational standpoint, I just have to tell you, we just completed the 
the Vandenberg um, subdivision, which I was talking about. And we partnered with the Sun Prairie High School tech folks to bring kids out. uh, And they came out during COVID. I don't know how they were able to do this, but their instructor, uh, Doug Johnson, did a great job of making sure they were spaced properly and what have you. But it's the third year, if I remember right, that we've been working with them. And it's a it's just a great relationship we have. We kind of turn them loose, yeah. And we just check on them every now and then, and you know we provide all the materials. Uh, they have a lot of their own tools. They mm-hmm. come out, and we'd like to expand that program to include more kids and more schools if we can, because that's a great way to get a kid interested in the trade. Right. And right now, that's a huge issue in the construction business. Absolutely. Finding enough qualified people to get the job done. That's why the costs are going yep. up and up and yep. up. And affordable housing is something we've talked about a lot on the show. And, yeah, the labor issue is real and continues to be – I mean, materials are one thing. Um, I think lumber's kind of ticked down here a little bit recently. But, but yeah, ha- having there's a shortage of, of skilled tradespeople. And it's one thing to do it in a class setting, you know, or learn. But to be able to get out in the community not only connects those kids to the community at large, but also maybe gets them exposed to – a skill or a potential occupation long term is Absolutely. is hugely. I know Boys and Girls Club has tried to get mm-hmm. involved with doing some of those things. It's these are the things that make Sun Prairie, I think, a unique, great place to live. I would and, agree. And, and having sort of a a diversity of thoughts and opinions and mm-hmm. exposure to um, you know not just college bound or you know uh, four year degree type of futures, but folks that might want to go to tech school mm-hmm. or get into apprenticeship programs and. And all those kind of things to to start at a young age, bringing them along with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, and you add to that the experience you mentioned about meeting the family. Yeah. And now you're bringing a completely different element into it where they learn something about affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a win win for a lot of different reasons. But um, we've enjoyed the relationship and we've already committed to have everybody ready and on site with materials uh, September 1. So, We'll be ready to go next year, and sweet. At some point, they might want to add enough kids that they might want to build two homes. Right. So, you know, there's room for growth here. And we're we're going to have a second high school. We're going to have more families, more kids moving in, and so there's certainly more, more opportunity for growth. Like you said, I wanted to talk a little bit about the you know the the families that Mm -hmm. move into these homes and what people probably wonder. I wonder what is what is the application process like or the screening processes. How do you kind of become a candidate for, for a Habitat home? That's a great question. First off, we need to go to the end. We are also the bank. Mm. Okay, so everything we do requires us to follow all the federal and state requirements for mortgage processing. Okay. So the first thing you have to do, the reason I'm saying that is everything is really technical. Well, I think might, people <laughs> might be surprised. They think they're just you're just giving people a no. home. No. You know, for free, no. um, which would a, be nice to do. It but, would be. We'd love to do that, right. but we can't. Yeah. Actually, we, I'm not sure we would. We're more of the hand up than the hand out Right, I can see concept. that. Yeah. But, you know, there's the old story of the woman who was working for Habitat for 10 years, and her dad's uh, to her after 10 years. How do you decide to which families to give the hoses to? Yeah. And it's like, uh, Dad, we don't give the hoses. Away. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> First of all, you go to an informational meeting, and you have to sign up. Uh, we're having one. Uh, we have usually three of them in a row. There's about 75 to 100 people at each one of these. Okay. And uh, out of that, you then complete an application, 
which is a mortgage application. Okay. And then we process that, determine uh, qualifications, you know, look at the debt to income ratios, all of the things that we need to know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we do a, a family visit. We have a committee that goes out and actually sits down with the family. The Habitat model requires a need, requires some kind of a payment, and requires that they're willing to partner with us. Okay. So those three things have to be met, and they normally are. Um, but I just want to keep that in mind. That's the big picture of what what's going on. Yeah, there. and I, I guess the question would be, what what sort of things does Habitat do to help sort of subsidize yeah. that process beyond what a sure. summer credit union or whatever a normal bank would do? Well, I think we do a great job, first of all, of taking care of our our families. Mm-hmm. Our our model, the the math behind it that makes it affordable is really important to understand, and that is that we cap the payments of our families at 28% of their income. That has to cover your uh, mortgage and your insurance, and if there's an, an HOA, taxes, yeah. if there's an HOA or a condo association. So that, in its own right, is what makes it affordable. We only deal with families that are that have family incomes between 30 and 60% of the area median income. Okay. So that's how we keep it. We know the families are qualified as affordable. Mm-hmm. But then again, you have to apply our math to it. Now, there's some you know, down payment assistance programs that we bring to the table for the families. And so their, you know, their mortgage isn't the exact appraised value of the home. It's that minus you know, a few uh, down payment programs that we involved in. If after that number is determined, their payments over 30 years won't pay for the mortgage, we take a silent second mortgage and basically bank that until such time that they sell the house or, you know, move on or or however it goes. But those families Uh, are essentially working within the same framework as any homeowner would be, but they have it structured in such a way to make it easier for them and more palatable to, you know, they're they're not getting anything for free. Oh, no, they pay a mortgage. Right. And the Um, mortgage is based on the appraised value. But they're building equity and they're building wealth and they're getting, understand what it means to to do that and what it means to invest in a home and and hopefully one day sell that and in this market, make some money on it and be able to to get something better. And that whole process. Yes, moving on. And it actually frees up what should be still an affordable home in the future if someone moves moves out. Um, as an aside, just an interesting fact, you know, one of the, the hot buttons um, lately has been the the gap in equity between black and white home ownership. Right. And, you know, we have uh, approximately 40% of our, our partner families are black, and we have, they have generated over $5 million of equity in homes since we started building and partnering with them. So that's that's something that you don't, you certainly don't get that in rental housing. You don't get it in a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of understanding that people have of that. So it's it's uh, it's an important piece of the puzzle, but. No, I appreciate right. you bringing that up because I do think there are issues in it and some of it is just generational and you haven't, my parents owned a home, my grandparents mm-hmm. owned a home, my, my grandparents came, you know, were, were post world war ii and there are there are sort of systemic institutional things that happened that prevented uh black people from being able to 
generate wealth and yeah. equity in their homes. Absolutely. And so uh, trying to offset that and sort of work to dismantle some of that um, is really, I mean, I'm glad to hear you say that, kind of a critical piece of Habitat's mission too. Yeah. So We know that homeowners uh, generationally are more likely to have the following generations want to own a home. Right. We know that the kids are more likely to go to college, finish high school, go to college. Uh, they're more likely to be involved in their community, and they're more likely to vote. So there's a lot of positives to home ownership that that aren't talked about a lot. Um, and then we have a very unique um, stat that we're pretty proud of. But you know, right around 90 percent of our homeowners are still in their homes, hmm. and we've built 313 homes, I believe, in 30 some years. Just in Dane so, County. Just in Dane County. Right. Yeah. That's so terrific. Yeah, that you aren't uh, they aren't falling on having issues paying their mortgage or being no uh, foreclosed upon or anything no. like that. In That's fact, great. you know, during the early days of the uh, coronavirus, Valerie had an idea to bring together some of the um, the local lenders, and we put a pool together to help our our homeowners. You know, if they were going to miss a mortgage payment or whatever, we didn't have any of our our partner families miss a payment we were able to keep them all yeah you know right Current, up to stuff. Yep. so it was that was a great idea and it, it took the community and the credit unions and some of the banks we deal with to come together and say sure yeah we'll help out it was very heartwarming because that was what was needed a lot of it was maybe gesture but at least our our families oh. knew there was a safeguard there and yep. so that's important that's great um, so yeah, let's get into this town hall road development sure. specifically in detail. So how many how many acres? I know you guys uh, is this land that you guys acquired. Yes, we bought the land a number of years ago, and I there's two pieces of it north of the railroad tracks and south. South of the railroad tracks is very narrow, and in the middle of it there's wetlands. So there's basically two lots, one on one corner and one on the you know in the southwest portion of the the parcel the the corner I'm talking about is the corner of Town Hall Drive and Highway 19. There'd be one parcel there. Above the railroad tracks is about um, 50 acres, and that's being developed in four phases. And uh, the outcome will be 118 lots for homes, 48 of which will be affordable habitat-style okay. homes. You know, we're not going to be the first ones done with the with the lots, but you know, we're we've committed to the city that. We will build forty-eight affordable yeah. homes. Now I know we could we could probably talk for an hour on the definition of an affordable home. But right. In our minds, what we mean is putting a habitat partner family in a home that we are providing. Right. Because it's building. not just the cost of the home; it's all the other things around it, like the mortgage or exactly. being able to do the things you talked about earlier. Yeah. So. In fact, I always remind people um, it's kind of counterintuitive, but. It really doesn't matter what it costs us to build the house. Yeah. The only thing that matters is what it's appraised at. And I know appraised means to a, a normal contractor that, you know, that allows them to set their price and it would have you. We're the opposite. We don't, I mean, we track it, don't get me wrong, and we yeah. know where we're at. But we can't say, okay, it costs us X. We need to get X plus X percent out of it. We Look, just we're, don't do anybody that. that's looked at the market at all no. knows that the your house is worth what someone will pay for it. Exactly, and that has changed almost daily yeah. lately. So and, and that it's hurts. A, it's fluid, but that hurts our ability because as the neighborhood goes up, 
so does the the rest of it. Affordability so goes down. Affordability becomes yeah. more difficult. Sure, sure. Yeah. It, what it really does is it makes it harder for us to build the same number or more because right. we can always find families. In fact, we're flush with families, and it's really sad, but you know, we have our, our informational meetings, and you get done, we don't have enough potential in the next year or two to put you know, 25 new families in. Yeah. Because um, some of them are already in line. So we we have to space it out. Our families are waiting about um, 18 months to two years before they see their house. Yeah. And during that time, they put in uh, what we call sweat equity. They come out and help. And it's a considerable number. It's 325 to 375 hours, 300 right now. They also attend all our classes. We have financial readiness um, classes. We actually have some uh, classes on you know home ownership, how to take care of it, and then we have one that that I wish everyone had to take when they were buying a house, and that's how to be a good neighbor. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting, uh, but you know they're well prepared yeah. when when it ends. Yep. And then once we uh, hand them the keys, their mortgage payment doesn't change. We're the bank. They pay us month in, month out. And what they do with that house is whatever you want to do with your house. Sure. They can they they can do it. Yeah. Some of the most uh, enjoyable times are when the kids get in and it's the first time that they've been able to, like, pick the color of their bedroom because they can't do that when they're renting. So yeah. it's uh, it, they own the home just like you and I own our own homes. Sure. And pay taxes. Yeah. Our uh, Habitat homes, our families in Dane County are uh, paying over $800,000 a year in property tax. So a lot of benefits. Absolutely. So you, so I think you'd said 48 Habitat homes yes. out of 113. But 118. That was, was but 118, yeah, give yeah. or take. Is that, and that was just phase one, or that was the no, whole no, thing? No, no, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah, okay. the first phase, uh, you can actually drive through it right now. The first coating of the streets are in, the curbs, gutter, and uh, sidewalk. The park, we had to build the park. Uh, in phase one, the city obviously wanted that done to make sure it was going to get mm-hmm. in there. We've got the stormwater retention put in. Uh, we had to bring a sewer extender from the south uh, in the development that ends up being across from the high school, you know, that big area. And there's 30, 37 lots, I believe, in phase one. And we're going to reserve 12 for habitat. Okay. And then depending on the sale of the rest of those will be when we open up. Uh, infrastructure for phase two. Phase two. Um, you know, we didn't talk about why town hall. Yeah. And I think there's there's a need to understand that. We would prefer um, ready-to-build lots. Okay. It's easier for sure, us. Sure, yeah, with because, all the infrastructure yeah, and I mean, roads and everything already built. Yeah, I mean, these, it literally costs us millions to put in phase one. Yeah. And that's not our, our game necessarily. But in order to keep the lot cost down is really the only way you can do it, is by building it and then selling some and using the others. Uh, but we are fortunate that dealing with the city of Madison, as an example, and some of the contractors there, we picked up a couple of, of lots in an area off of Milwaukee Street. Hmm. There's six more that are going to be purchasing from the city sometime in the fall that we can build six homes on. But, man, those are going away. Yeah, And so right. what we're doing now, I think, is more what we're going to have to do in the future um, just to keep, you know, keep the lot 
costs from running us out of business, so to speak. So sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It, it, to me, it's look. I think sometimes people they look, they complain there's too many apartments and why aren't there more single family homes being built? Well, Habitat is building a bunch of single family homes. They're just not as visible on Main Street or Prairie yeah. Lakes as some other places, and. You know, affordable housing continues to be an issue, and why aren't there more? And the market is what the, is is a challenge right now for that. And and unfortunately, you need some structure in place to to be able to make things more affordable. And so, what I would suggest is if people complain or don't like the way things are going, look at an organization like Habitat, and either through financially or um, donate some time, put in some some time to help on these houses, um, donate some money, or if if you have a skill that you can bring. To help teach people um, even better, and so you know, on that note, as we kind of finish up, is mm-hmm. if it's a question I've had is if you're not a high school kid or your company isn't doing it, and you just want to get involved and spend a weekend learning some home improvement sure. skills, how where do I go and how do I get involved? That's a great question, but it's very easy. Yeah, is go to our website, Habitat for Humanity, Dane County, uh, and there's a volunteer tab. When you click on it, and it'll take you right to what we call our volunteer hub. You can sign up. There'll be um, opportunities listed right there and the locations, and you can decide where you'd like to help. And, so you don't even necessarily have to put your name in and then somebody gets back to you to tell no, you. You can sign up. If you want to work specifically on that town hall development because you're nearby and it's easy and convenient, yep. you can sign up to do that. Absolutely. Terrific, yeah. terrific. Not in town hall yet. We haven't dug any okay. holes yet, but <laughs> you will be able to. Well, it's really I guess if, I think there are a lot of people, whether it's COVID or other things kind of looking around and looking for a purpose or looking for something to get involved in. And I just, myself included, I, I think I would like to find some time to try to work and get involved because I, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than literally helping build your community. And that's kind of what the show's about. And I appreciate you being on. And it's, it's been great to talk well, to you. Thanks, so, thanks, thanks for Steve. having me. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for your support. It's word of mouth yep. that's out there. And let's not forget, you're going to have some fun, too, if you come out and help. Right. It's, Do they still feed you? They always oh, fed yeah, us lunch yeah, when we came. Yeah. It's like, that's worth showing up for it. Anyway. It's... Yeah, I have to double check. And I might be spewing a little bit of falsehood there. <laughs> I know when the sponsors have their days, there's always ah. a lunch involved. I don't know if it's every day that we have volunteers. I might ask you to bring your lunch. There's a there's definitely a lunch period. Sure. So Get a break. But, yeah, yeah. you learn something, and and it's rewarding, and it's good exercise, you know, being yeah. out there banging out with a hammer is it good, is. too. So. And thanks again for inviting me and enjoyed the discussion. And if you want to have me back, I can tell you more about Phase 2. Sure, sure. No, thanks for being here, Steve. I appreciate it. Well, you can probably hear it in my voice. I mean, I really do sincerely believe in Habitat as an organization, and, and there's so many different reasons why. It's just a, a, a very rewarding experience to get involved with and a great organization i'm happy to have them here in sun prairie and my thanks to steve and uh, and everyone at habitat for what they're doing for the community uh you know for the country for the world they've been involved in a ton of amazing projects and uh, uh locally globally it's uh they're an important organization and and i would see if you can support them uh when you can so again my thanks to steve my thanks to you guys for listening to what are we building i'm andy shaner this is 1035 fm the sun